this morning before we uh, shift into the word. Number one, aren't you grateful for this worship team this morning? Amen. Uh, Pastor Vince has been in California for the last two weeks. It feels like two months. One of his giftings is acting and doing musicals and plays and things like that. And he's over there. Um, Melissa told me at the uh, one, in one of the services last Sunday, we were just praying for him and praying for that moment. And right there in, in the rehearsal, as they were getting ready to go live for their first um, the play, five people in the middle of rehearsal gave their heart to the Lord. And I'm so thankful for that. <clears throat> So he'll, he'll be back this week, and I'm going to make him work like a dog, y'all. I'm going to make him work like a dog. <clears throat> Actually, I may let him rest because I don't know what in the world's in California we're staying two weeks over. <laughs> I need to shut up. But, <clears throat> you know, he'll be here, and, and I'm so thankful for the worship team, Chris Ann and your team, and everybody just holding it down these last two weeks. <clears throat> Grateful for that. <clears throat> we, um, September the 4th, we will uh, have our uh, For His House offering that we'll be taking in as, as a part of that. We're having a ball around here, and I'm so grateful of what God's doing as He's helping us. If the Lord speaks to you, you can pick up one of those balls and, and let, let God speak to you as He will accordingly. How many cheerful givers are in the room this morning? For we know according to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, that when we open our finances up, that the breath of God breathes into that. So every cheerful giver, just thank the Lord right here. God, we praise you. That our resources are not limited to inflation or the gas station or the grocery store. It's not limited to Ukraine or to China or to any other thing. Our help cometh from the Lord. And today, we submit our tithes and our offerings to break the back of the spirit of mammon off of our life that we may walk in the possession of the righteous that have never been forsaken. We praise you for that in Jesus' name. Somebody one more time, give them a cheerful praise. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 22, chapter 2, verse 22. We're in this series entitled In Pursuit. And this has become a really uh, powerful passage of scripture for me as, as the Lord has been showing me more and more throughout this text. In the month of September last year, the Lord dropped it in my heart that this would be the, the season, the summer season to preach this series. And as this is, is evolved, spiritually speaking evolved, as I've become um, transformed by the renewing of my mind, I'm so grateful for the revelation that the Lord has been showing. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. But flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, pursue faith, pursue love, pursue peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. Hold on to that statement there. And that they may come to their senses. Oh God, I've said this every week of this series. God, give us a revival of common sense in our nation. That they may come to our senses and avoid the snare of the devil, having been kept 
captive by him to do his will. Today I want to speak to you for the next few minutes out of 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, that as we leave youthful lust, that we pursue love. Pursue love. Love. What's love got to do with it? It's got everything to do with it. Love. This word love in our English language is really exposes the limitations of our language. Because while we see the word love, the word love can mean so many different things. And we'll use the word, and, and by default, the word love has become very generalized in our society. We, we love your outfit. We love my shoes. I'm going to let some of y'all live in there for a minute. We, we, we love ice cream. We love our favorite sports team. We, we love our dog. And then we come into the house of the Lord and we say, we love you too. And it becomes generalized as to what it is that we actually love. And I'm afraid that there are many of us that are in more like than we are in love. We like God, but we don't love God. Are we love God, but only on a level that is different than the depths of what we want him to love us with? I'm going to preach to you on love today. And this word that Paul is using is not general, but it is a very specific type of love. That you and I, watch this, we must pursue this type of love. The word here in the Greek is agape. And this word, it means unconditional love. And, and, and many of us are looking for agape, but we're looking for it in all the wrong places. Many of us are, are sitting here going, desiring agape. We, we want the unconditional love of God in our life, but we're looking for it to manifest in other situations and realms that are contrary to where agape comes from. Before I get into the significance of agape, I want to, I want to help you understand what agape is not. There are four Greek words in the Bible as it relates to this one word, love. Number one, the Greek word is storg, S-T-O-R-G-E. And this word, love, storg, it means a bond or a, a bond that is founded upon empathy. Because I have empathy for you, because I have compassion for you, because I have sympathy for you, then I'm going to demonstrate my love for you. But the basis of this love is out of empathy. In other words, this type of love is dependent upon familiarity or charity in order for it to be given or received. In other words, I've got to feel sorry for you for me to love you. It, it, it's not agape love. It means I've got to feel sorry for you or I've got to have some kind of familiarity with the situation you're in. And because I understand what you're going through, then I'm going to love you through this pain. I'm going to love you through this situation. It doesn't mean I love you in an agape way. It just means because of my empathy towards you that we have a love relationship. Storg. Number two is Philea. This is where you'll see the city, Philadelphia. Based upon rooted in this word philea in the Greek, y'all know that Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. Watch this. This is, a, this is a bond based upon brotherly affection. The way I love my wife is not the way I love my sister. It is a different type of love. It is a love as a brother to a sister or a sister to a brother. And this is, this is a, a, a bond that is founded upon brotherly affection. 
And, and, and this type of love is dependent upon chemistry or common ground in order for it to be given or received. I can love you like my sister. I can love you like my brother, whether we have the same blood or not. And the only way that happens is that if you and I have chemistry, if there is a common ground that you and I identify with, that I can move into philea, philea, I can move into it, I can move and operate in philea towards you, a brotherly love towards you, a, a, a sisterly love towards you, simply because of the chemistry or the common ground that we have. Stored philea. And then the third, word, the third Greek word is eros. This is where we get the word in, in the English language erotic. And this is, this, is a, this is a bond that is founded upon romance, that is based upon romance, that, that there is a level of intimacy. In other words, this type of love is dependent upon intimacy or desire for me to give or receive this type of love. That I say I love you, but really what I do is I love on you. And so the nature, the, the, the nucleus that this relationship centers around is our ability to be intimate with one another. Most often our desires are the center of this type of love relationship. And many people say, I love you, and I love you, and I love you, and I love you. The question is, in the English word, is do you, do you, are you, do you have empathy towards me, love? Do you have brotherly affection towards me, love? Am I friends on with you, love? Or is this all about late in the midnight hour? <laughs> oh, some of y'all got that way too easy. Come on. Or, or is this an intimate love that we have? Neither of these three are the ones that Paul is telling his spiritual son Timothy and you and I to pursue. That the pursuit of our life cannot be empathy, love. The pursuit of our life cannot be brotherly affection. The pursuit of our life cannot be sexual intimacy. That what you and I are to pursue is agape, unconditional love. A unconditional love founded or based upon God. God. That the love between my wife and myself must not be founded on eros. It has to be founded on God, otherwise there are conditions. As long as you are in bed with me, we can remain in love. Oh God, it's already quiet. Can you imagine what 1130 is going to be like? If the nucleus of my relationship with my wife is founded upon empathy, she felt sorry for me, so she dated me. It will not last. If my relationship with my wife is founded upon, is founded upon our sexual intimacy and desire one for another. There was a day this was a six-pack, and today it looks like I've been drinking six-packs. There is a level of intimacy that will eventually wane, and so will the relationship if it's founded on anything less than agape. We must pursue, not storg, not philea, not eros, but God is speaking to us through the Apostle Paul to say the pursuit of our life must be the agape love that is founded upon the word or the relationship of God. And I'm afraid there's too many of us that are in the beloved, while we're running to God wanting sympathy 
not unconditional. We're running warning God to release brotherly affection to us. Warning God to love us in a way that our families didn't love us. To love us in a way that, that creates intimacy and passion and desire on the inside of us. But the issue of the day, ladies and gentlemen, under the sound of my voice, is that you and I must pursue, not stored, not phileo, and not eros. The passion and the pursuit of our life must be that of agape that is founded upon God as we love and receive love. Over the course of the last few weeks, this has been so interesting for God. I don't know how you are, but most of the time I have to live my sermon before I preach it. And over the last couple of weeks, it has been amazing to me. As I, as I sit in certain moments and situations and seasons where I, where I listen, is this empathetic? Is this brotherly affection? Is this intimacy? Or is this agape that's either being given or received? And it is so hard to find agape even in God's kids. A love that is without condition because it's based upon God. How can this be based upon God? Well, listen. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. Watch this. And we have known and believed that the love of God, that the love that God has for us, because God is, come on class, God is, hold on. He doesn't just have love. He doesn't just feel love. But this is one of God's attributes. To understand God, you have to understand that God is love. He doesn't have love. He doesn't just give love. He is. His essence is love. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Hold on. That means love is not love. Agape is the essence of who God is. In other words, to understand love, you and I must acknowledge the God who is the very thing we're talking about. L love is who he is. Love is how he rolls. Like he doesn't take a step that's out of love, not out of love. He, he, he doesn't make a conversation that isn't started and initiated out of love. He, he doesn't gaze upon you or me with eyes of anything but love. He, he is love. And this is hard for us to grasp. We hope it's reality, but we don't understand it's his essence. <clears throat> So in his, hang with me because I'm going somewhere this morning. In his omniscience, he knew this concept would be almost impossible for you and me to grasp without an illustration. So he gives us an illustration. We find it in the book of Romans chapter 5 verse 8. That he said that God demonstrates his own love towards you and me. That in while we were yet Sinners, he died for us. He said, I need to illustrate to you what agape is. 
What unconditional love that is based upon me because I am love, I need to illustrate this to you. And how I'm going to illustrate it to you is I'm going to love you before you get anything right. I'm going to love you before you act right, before you be right, before you come right, before you drop all the stuff that you might have done last night. I'm going to love you while you are yet still a sinner. I'm going to send my only begotten son, and I'm going to let him die for you, and you ain't even in a position to receive it yet. This is an unconditional love that I am about to illustrate to you. I am about to demonstrate what agape is, and I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you my love, and you don't even haven't earned it yet. He is love. And he had demonstrated agape that before you deserved it, he already gave it. Before I ever deserved it, he already gave it. Unconditional love. Now, justice-oriented people struggle with this. Because it's hard for us to do wrong and still receive right love. I, I thought for this entire message that I was really going to live with the, the agape love of God. But Holy Spirit on Friday, he took me in a different direction. Be because we're not just to pursue love from him. We're also to demonstrate this agape in our own lives. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us agape one another. Hold up. Wait a minute. Let's put a little Jesus in it. Love, agape one another. Not storg. Not phileia. Not eros. But the mandate of everyone who is in the beloved is to agape one another. It is a supernatural thing that is required in the very natural realm. Unconditional love is not beyond you. Oh, it's about to get hard in here. Unconditional love is not something God has to grace you with. Well, you don't understand. I can't stand them. Well, then sit down and sit in the seat of agape. Well, you don't understand where I came from. No, no. But I understand who you now represent. Well, that, that's just not who I am. Well, is that who he is? Let us love one agape unconditionally, whether I get along with you or not. Whether I like your attitude or not, whether I like your person, your temperament or not, whether we mesh together well or not. Oh, it's quiet in this Holy Ghost filled church now. Whether you hurt me or not, whether you wounded me or not, that I can release agape because it is the command. Let uh, uh here we go. You ready? I'm gonna I'm gonna quote the scripture. Love one another, for love is, agape is of 
prepositional phrase. In other words, this love came from him. It's of God. And everyone who loves agape is born of God and has intimate knowledge of God. But he who does not agape does not have intimacy with God, for God is agape. If you cannot release agape, you don't even know who God is. That word no, it means to be in intimate fellowship with. Oh, here we go. You ready? I question the intimacy of the relationship you have with the Father if everybody has to work to get your love. There is, you don't hear what I'm saying. There, there is a, God is withholding access to himself by the amount of agape you hold back from others. In other words, you can only go into the intimate realm with God based upon allowing others to go into the intimate realm with you. This is a zinger. You ready? Not only are you unspiritual, you are unscriptural when you live closed off. Well, I'm just, I'm just guarded. Okay, can I, can I be real? I'm just a New Yorker. Oh, it got quiet in here then. We, we don't just walk around saying, oh, I love you. We ain't from the South. We're from the South Bronx. Come on. I'm not saying be stupid with your love. I'm saying release it. And to, uh, and to allow any excuse to justify your lack of agape is not only unspiritual, it is unscriptural. For God is love. In other words, he restricts the experience of himself to those who are willing to provide a created agape that you receive from your creator. To the person who can live giving agape is the person who can live in continual intimacy with God. Verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to agape one another. This is interesting. Because in verse number 8, he says that if you don't love, you don't know me. In verse 12, he says that if you do love, love is perfected in us because of the love that we give to others. In verse 16, he tells us that if we abide in love, then we abide in God and God abides in us. In verse 20, he tells us that, that if we cannot love God, you cannot love God if you cannot love the brother or the sister that you can see directly in front of you. Here's the way the Holy Spirit said it to me on Friday. You cannot have unconditional experiences with God if you do not allow others to have unconditional experiences with you. If there is conditions to your love that you give, then there will be conditions to your love from God that he gives. It's a love with... 
One of the reasons why I believe there is a lack of glory in the church today, the Church of America, is because the Church of America has become filled with loveless saints. Don't nobody love each other anymore, unconditionally. We come to the church and we're looking for eros. We come into the church and we're looking for storg. I need the prayer team to feel sorry for me today. Love on me, love on me. I need my brothers and sisters to remind me that we're brothers and sisters. But what we have to have is agape. If God is going to abide in us and we are going to abide in him, agape has to be present. Okay. 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue. Oh, here you go. But in deed and in... There is a correlation that must happen in the earth where love and truth are walking hand in hand. See, this is, this is the challenge of the LGBTQ community. They want agape, but they don't have truth. They're looking, they're searching for agape, but they're not carrying the truth with it. But the church is as equally dysfunctional because we want to carry the truth but have no agape. It is quiet in this Holy Ghost filled church. Boy, we were shouting a minute ago, wasn't we? We have truth, but we don't carry agape. So we don't give people the permission to still be in process. Oh, God. So we have a bunch of people who say we won't love, but all we feel is hate. But meanwhile, those of us who have the truth don't want to love the hell out of people. We must never dumb down the word of God. But the word of God must always be encapsulated with love. Unconditionally. And just so you understand, agape carries a biblical standard. Because it came from the word made flesh. So, so what, what do we do with this? Well, John 13, verse 35. Boy, this is, a, this, is, this is a challenge to me. As, as the, the lead at Judah. He, he says, Jesus, red letters, by this, all will know that you're my disciples. That you agape one another. That you agape one another. This church should not be known by its preaching. 
It should not be known by his singing. It should not be known by his worship. It should not be known by his gifts. It should be not be known by his shouting. It should not be known by his charisma. It should not be known by his creativity. Uh-oh. It should not be known by his merch. We should be known by this, that this is a church that will love the hell out of you. They will, y'all don't hear what I, uh, let me say, because I, I thought I was in 1130. They will love the heaven into you. They will love you until they love you. That place, I'm telling you, it is full of diversity. It is full of multi-generational. But I'm going to tell you what it's really full of. It's full of a bunch of people that love each other. I mean, they just love. They just love. And it doesn't matter if you got everything together. It doesn't matter if you don't have anything together. They just going to love on you. Listen, we got to drive one hour, two hours, three hours, because we're just trying to find a place that will just love us. I, and I don't know how it is in other places, but I don't want this place to be known by our singing, by our preaching by our charisma by the preacher I want the thing that people talk about is this place is a place that is filled with the unconditional love of God and his glory invades the place because it is a place where God is because of love is and every time we open the doors, it's a love fest. It's a love fest between me and you, and it's a love fest between me and you towards God and God towards us. And we just live in this perpetual state of love for one another because of him in our life. Come on, Chris Ann. A couple years back, couple years back, Em and I bumped into some old college friends. And they're, they're about our age, maybe a couple years younger. And after we saw them, you know, we were, we were talking or whatever, I walked away and I was like, baby, how far do you think she is along in her pregnancy? And Em looked at me and she said, she is not pregnant. She has just put on weight, and I'm so glad you didn't say something stupid <laughs> in front of her. Did you know how embarrassing it would be for you to go, oh, my God, I was going to name him Glenn, and it's pizza. <laughs> I hadn't seen her in a minute, but I could see the weight of the ministry. But she looked pregnant to me. But my wife saw the same person and knew there wasn't life in her. Because you can't fake love in front of God. She looked to me like she had life in her. But what I didn't realize is that life had done things to her but never got in her. But to the woman who knows what it's like to have life on the inside, she recognized the difference between girth and God. See, what I'm saying to you is that you can fake love some people out. 
But people who know what love is, who have experienced unconditional love, they know you're faking and you're fronting because we know what it's like to have life on the inside of us. Part of the reason I am so excited about our new viewing audience just a few miles down the road is because I understand the banner they have to wave every June. I'm cool because my job is to be salt and light. But I know the difference between life on the inside and a front on the outside. When agape is really in the midst and you understand that God is love, you cannot fake carrying what He is. Nah. When I think about the love of God, I can't help but run to the church at Corinth in chapter 13. Paul tells the church of that day, there are three things that will remain. Faith, hope, and love. But one of them is the greatest of them all. This one is the greatest because watch this, it's not tongues, it's not prophecy. It's not understanding and knowledge. It's not faith to move mountains. It's not giving all your goods to the poor. It's not giving over your body to be burned. This greatest gift suffers long. It is kind. It does not envy. It does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not party in the iniquity of others. This greatest love rejoices in truth. It bears all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. What am I telling you? That this greatest gift, according to verse number 8, it never fails. It never fails. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how bad it is. It doesn't matter how broken it is. It doesn't matter how distorted it is. It will never fail. The unconditional love of God and the unconditional one from those who love God, it always wins. It always wins. It always wins. Stand with me all over this room this morning. It always wins. About If you come out of our, our church, turn left about four miles up the road, there is this billboard. We have been on the waiting list for at least four years and they say it's a seven year waiting list. As soon as I get permission, I'm praying for you, Michael. As soon as we get permission to buy this every month, the first thing I'm putting on that billboard on this road is in four and a half miles, there's a place that loves the hell out of people. Loving the hell out of people. 
I am not cussing. I am not trying to be cute. I'm here to tell you that I don't care how hard life has been. There is a place that will love you just where you are and show you the love of God to bring you where he desires you to be. Hear me today. I don't care how fallen you are, how broken you are, how bitter you are, how resentful you are, how hurt you are, how wounded you are. There is a love for you that is unconditional. And people who have experienced that kind of love want to give that kind of love away. Hey, and I understand that every building that has the word church connected to it conjures up a lot of wounds and hurts for some people. But hear me, they're in process too. They're in process too. And don't convict us based upon what somewhere else has done to you. There is a place where he abides. And there is a place that wants his love to be available and afforded to every son and every daughter of the king. And I don't know why this message is this message. And I'm not sure why it is that you're here today above all days. I feel the Holy Ghost now. But I believe in my spirit. The Holy Spirit is speaking to somebody who has shelled up and walled up your pain and said, because they did this to me, God must not be this for me. The devil is alive. The devil's alive. The devil is alive. No shadow he won't light up. Mountain he won't climb up. Coming after. There's no wall he won't unconditional. Coming after. No shadow he won't. for you who have you been withholding that towards thank you Holy Spirit the limitation 
to your next season is being held back by the love you refuse to extend to others. Slip up your hands all over this room today. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. I pray that you would break the yoke of hard-heartedness today. I pray that you would break the burden of being bitter today. Ah. I pray that you would break the yoke ah, of fear today of being hurt again. Hey. Perfect agape casts out fear. And the Lord says, if you'll open up yourself, I will pour it out on you. And then I will pour it through you if you won't damn it and release it into someone else's life. I pray, Spirit of the living God, that this will be a house filled with love. That love and truth would walk hand in hand in our lives today. That every son, that every daughter, that comes into this house, that is a part of this house in any kind of way, would be a thing, a place, where the agape love of God would be released. In the highways, the hedges, the gas station, the grocery store, in the workplace, in the sanctuary. We want you, God. Somebody say, oh, the old. Sorry. I don't deserve it. But still. 